Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And thank you. That's the voice of Dick Warren. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, and you've arrived on a very, very, very sad and important day. This is The Coaching Show, and uh, that there is Alex Terranova. You can find him at thedreammason.com. Alex, tell the people about yourself. Well, you start off with a sad day, and then you're like, that is Alex Terranova. Tell the people that. <laughs> That's the saddest. Oh, that is the saddest. Oh, I, I don't know. I've been co-hosting this show with you for probably two or three years now. I don't know how long. It feels like it, longer. Right? It's been a while. And and our lives, well, my lives, your life kind of stays the same. You get a little balder and grayer, but my life has been expanding and growing. Um, uh, I'm a coach. I'm a PCC, uh, thedreammason.com. I host and created the Alchemy of Men Retreat, uh, which we're launching a second one this summer. I have a book coming out called How Dreams Are Built. I have also published Fictional Authenticity and a uh, bestseller I was part of, uh, Redefining Masculinity. Otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm out here trying to cause trouble and not grow up, basically. And you're engaged to be married. Now, remind me, what was your status when we met you uh, two or three years ago? We should really get that nailed down. When you met me? Well, when you met me, like eight years ago, I was in a different relationship. That was going to lead to an engagement and, and, and a not so working out relationship. Uh, but when we started doing this show, I, I, I don't know if I was in a relationship or single at the time, but whatever I was doing was not healthy. Let's say that. No, no, that's great. So congratulations on all of your success. And the reason it's a sad day is it, today is your final regular appearance on this show as yeah. our host, as our, as our anchor, as our wit and heart. I, um, I got everybody oh. in my house, champagne, you know, mixed with orange juice because it's quite early here. But uh, uh, I want you to go ahead and go down to the bar and get yourself a nice celebratory beverage. I, uh, I thought about how to celebrate today. And I thought, you know, drinking early was one, one way to honor your legacy. <laughs> the other thing was um, I, I started to put together a, a montage of your best moments, you know, and then I to sort of celebrate this. And then I realized, if I kept going, I could do that and it would be an entire day off for me later in the future. So I just, I'll send it to you once we've got it. And uh, in all seriousness, thank you for your contribution. You've been a great partner. You've been a great um, uh, interviewer and sort of provided a lot of value, a lot of deep insights, a lot of great questions and a lot of humor as we've been going along. And it's, I will miss you terribly and all great things to you in your new direction and new enterprises thank you i thought you were going to go i thought you were going to go in a different direction with that versus the day off you know that you couldn't find any oh nice yeah. they weren't appropriate that I'm would only concern that you're i'm also concerned that you're giving champagne to your children at 8 30 a.m on a wednesday i thought that was just for the weekends <laughs> i love that you think i know where my children are um so <laughs> Is there anything now you've been doing this for a while, right? Is there anything that you want to impart in, in the way of wisdom for people? Like why, why bother doing podcasts? What did you get out of it? Did you just, was it a monumental waste of your time? What do you, what words of wisdom do you have for people? Well, I'm not done podcasting, you know, that is, but I am done with some podcasts. Um, and I'm done actually with a lot. This is a, you know, I think when we are building a business, you know, but, but be it a coaching practice or anything, and we're the type of people that create things, we get excited. You and I talk about this a lot off the podcast. We get excited about a lot of ideas, a lot of things. And I'm someone who, you know, there, I think there's people who spend a lot of time planning and not doing and creating. I'm someone who doesn't spend a lot of time planning and I just get into the creating. And so I yep. create and do a lot of things. And some of them, you know, fall flat and and are terrible and and it was an experience and some of them seem to do fairly well and i think over time you hit a point where 
it's almost like in your house, right? If you never get rid of anything at a certain point, it starts to look like you're a hoarder, right? You're just collecting and collecting and collecting. And I think this year, uh, towards the end of the year, I realized that I had created and inserted myself into so many things, so many incredible things, nothing bad, but just so many projects that I was like almost drowning myself in my own successes. Yeah. And took a moment to go, hey, this actually came out of my, my, the plant medicine journey that I went on. It really told me you need to look at the things that have served you that you might not need like you used to need anymore. And I, I shared this with you when I told you that I was going to be leaving, which was so much of my desire to be on this show was about our relationship was, you know, I met you eight years ago. I really view you as, as my main kind of coaching mentor, my first coaching mentor, my main coaching mentor. And I remember eight years ago when I was in that training, your accomplishment coaching training program in New York City thinking like, I want to have a relationship with this man. I want to be close. I want to be connected. And I think a lot of people either felt that or the complete opposite. You uh, mostly they want to get away fast. Um, but most people think things like that and don't create it. And for me, that was a, that was a really big, that in itself has been the accomplishment that you and I are friends, um, that you and I can hang out socially, that we have this. You also can say things to me as a mentor, right? That I, that I might need to hear that maybe a friend wouldn't say. So to me, ultimately, I think that is the greatest lesson. It wasn't about the podcasting. It wasn't about anything else. It was about sometimes we meet people or see people in our life. And there's that part of us that goes, you know, I need that person. Like I need, I need that connection. I need that friendship. I need that mentorship. And I think I kept going along the road because I was afraid for it to change or to let it go. Yeah. So I had, to, I had to keep doing things right like this with you because I was afraid of what happens if I don't, what happens if I kind of carve my own path? Yeah. Yeah. And Christopher is not there. And that when I went through that plant medicine journey, it said, Hey, you're, you, you actually created the thing you wanted here and now it's time to move on. And that thing doesn't have to fully vanish, but it can start to exist in a new form. But it's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And if you're willing, I have two things to say. And the second thing is I want to bring our guest in because I know he's got a lot to say about this and, and um, many other things. The, the thing I want to say before that is I really want to acknowledge you because you're exactly right, right? As we develop and grow, sometimes it's not exactly outgrowing our mentors or our, or our circle, but it's kind of like going past it. Like we, it's time to, a lot of the people that I'm privileged to work with go off to create their own empires, right? And so many people, and I don't know what it is, but maybe you have an idea that so many people feel like they have to stomp on you on the way out, right? Like reject. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of like adolescence, I suppose. You feel like you have to reject the mentorship you've gotten or the structures you've created. And I really want to acknowledge you because you haven't done that. You're like honoring everything and creating the next and then sort of waving goodbye on the way. That's strikes me as a, both a mature and a useful way to do it because then you don't break ties or have bad blood, right? Yeah, I don't know where that, I know that came out of the work. I mean, even I remember leaving the job that I left when I became a coach. And yeah. I remember wanting, I had deep relationships with some of those people and I really didn't want those to end simply because I was leaving the job. And I remember the work through coaching kind of taught me, how can I leave something better even if I'm not there? And, you know, at first I think you think like, what does that mean? And over time you see it's, it's a lot about just who you're being, how you show up, how you honor people, how you acknowledge them. But that has become a, a big part of my life. When I leave something, how do I leave it? How do I leave it better than... Then I was there. And that might just simply be through what you're saying, like honoring. I was imagining when you were saying it, you know, when, when we're little kids, someone carries us across the street when we're really small, right? And then we learn to walk and we walk holding our parent's hand. Right. And then we walk with our parent across the street, not holding their hand. And then one day we're walking across the street without them. Now we still have a connection to them, right? We call them, we visit them. But that thing, but we don't have to do it exactly the same. And that's kind of how I, when you were saying it, that's how I saw this is like, Hey, when I started, you know, in coaching, it was like, you're holding us. Yeah. Right. And then we're out in the world and, and it's, we can still have that connection, but right. I don't need to hold your hand anymore or uh, even walk across the street with you. 
Uh, <laughs> you're older, yeah. you're slower now. You know, I'm outpacing. It takes a long time, right? Yeah, thanks. All right. Well, let's bring in our guest because I'm sure he's got a lot to say about this. An extraordinary opportunity today to be with Andrew Horn. He's a Brooklyn-based, Brooklyn in the house, social entrepreneur, writer, and communication trainer. He's been called the Dale Carnegie for the digital age by Forbes, no less. Uh, he's sort of a serial startup guy in often in the nonprofit spaces. Most recently, he's uh, running the startup he co-founded, Tribute.co. The New Yorker has called that business Hallmark 2.0, and they were recently number 256 on the Inc. 500 list for 2021. They've helped over 5 million users to celebrate the people they love with a video montage of their favorite people, telling them why they're awesome. He's also a writer, a frequent contributor to major publications, been featured in Fast Company, CNN, and The Washington Post. Like us. Oh, no, we didn't. Also a highly sought-after speaker, um, often recruited by Fortune 500s, universities. He's also, and I think this is where you two will have a lot of bonding, the leader of a community for men called Junto, or maybe it's Junto, but I'm going with that Junto. The organization curates and hosts events for men that want to become better men. Um, before he created Tribute, remember I said he was a serial creator. He started Dreams for Kids DC, a nonprofit organization that helped tens of thousands of young people with disabilities to play sports in the DC metro area. Please welcome to our microphones, Andrew Horn. Hello, sir. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Yeah, what a, what a lovely introduction. So nice to see two men loving on each other, speaking honestly. Uh, thanks, Fab. And that's, and that's kind of where I thought we might start. I mean, I know it's not the big deal. Tribute.co is the big deal. But let's start with, and am I saying it properly, Junto? So we, we go both ways. Technically, it would be Junto, <laughs> uh, which means together in Spanish. Um, so we are, we're non-discriminatory. So whatever flows for you, which it seems like Junto. So let's go with Junto today. <laughs> okay. But, but people are not wrong if, in, especially in other countries, they're saying Junto. Okay, got it. So Alex does men's work. Let's hear about the men's work that you do and why it's important. Yeah. So we created a ritual rite of passage experience called uh, the Junto about six years ago. And so now we've taken uh, several hundred men through these wilderness experiences that are grounded in a, a few core pillars. Um, the first is emotional mastery is just providing men with the tools that they need to connect with their emotional experience through the lens of something called gestalt awareness practice. And so it's basically the idea that so much of the woes of our modern world, we started Junto really in the aftermath of Me Too, is because uh, people, but men specifically, really don't have an outlet to express the totality of their emotions. And so they sit there and fester and percolate under the service until they're just too much to deal with. And then you get a lot of the types of uh, antisocial negative behaviors, violence uh, that we have become all too familiar with. And so we, we teach men some of the basic tools of emotional mastery. The second is I'm, I'm fascinated by the book, Redefining Masculinity, which I think is a really interesting topic. So the second pillar for us is all about deconditioning. And so it's really understanding what is it that you have made it mean to be a man? What are the influences that have defined that part of your identity? What's the inculcation from society that is imprinted onto what it is that you think it means to be a man, which begets the bigger question of who are you? The idea of the self-concept, which is a construct that's totally of our creation. And our masculinity is but just one piece of that identity. And when we start to inspect that piece of our identity and we show ourselves that what we have made it mean to be a man is really up to us. And a lot of times it's reinforced by all these things outside of us. But when we can manipulate that piece of our identity, it shows us that we can manipulate and form the totality of our identity and who we are. And I believe as, as a coach and as an entrepreneur that uh, the most powerful force when it comes to sustainable behavior change is our identity. And so for me, I think that men's work is so fascinating because it can open up to the totality of this kind of identity work. And once we start asking big questions about who am I, I really like to help men to answer that question through the lens of personal values, purpose, and contribution, which is what do I care about? What matters to me? And then what am I committed to that's greater than the self? And what will I be remembered for? And giving men an opportunity to really define themselves on a, on a bigger scale than that. So that's a, a bit of what we do. And yeah, we've got three coming up in the new year, which we're very excited about. 
And uh, we just found out Dateline NBC is going to come and do a whole documentary on this next one, which would be very fun. Amazing. Go, Alex. No, that's incredible. You know, I think that's a great, I just want to touch on that for a second because there's a lot of people out there, whether they're doing men's retreats, women's retreats, you know, somebody that just did accomplishment coaching uh, I saw online is, is creating a space for people that don't identify as men or women, right? They're like, there's a space for men, there's space for women. What about people who don't feel that they fit in either? Um, and I think I found one of the toughest parts is getting the message out there, right? Like just getting, there's, I don't know if you've had this experience when I'm, when we're trying to talk to men, what we get is a lot of women being like, oh, my husband needs this, right? And, and the men are running from it. And having something like Dateline come out is a huge area of exposure. How are you, how are you doing that to get this message that is often, um, often hard for the people that need to hear it to hear? How are you getting it out there? Curiosity and question. I find that men especially are so resistant to being told what is who they need to be, what they need to do. And so much of what I've found most effective is leading in through the lens of curiosity is providing questions that really are much more open-ended and allow men to come in on their own terms and really see where a lot of times they just have malformed understanding or definitions of what is it that you've made it mean to be a man. And when you ask most people that question, they don't really have an answer. They don't know where to begin, right? When you ask men, what is it that you're going to be remembered for? What are your values? The vast majority of those really just don't have those defined. And so I find that there's a great Rilke quote about uh, loving the questions, the idea that, you know, so often we're looking for solutions to perceived problems in our life. And that one of the, the best ways to live uh, is really just to focus on the questions that we are asking ourselves and allowing ourselves to live those questions until one day we just find ourselves in the answer by our very life. And so I just love really thinking about what are the questions that we can be putting in front of men and all people really, but I mean, in this specific context in front of men that lead them down a path of self-discovery that's beneficial to them as well as the relationships and the communities that they care about. That, that makes me think it's a great way that you put it. It makes me think about how, you know, we need space for things to develop. Part of me like leaving this and, and is creating more space. I'm not replacing it with something else. I'm creating space to see what will show up next. And what you made me think of when you just said that is often we're telling people, hey, this is why men need this thing, or this is why couples need this thing or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's like putting more energy into the space. And what I hear when you talk about questions is I hear questions create actually a vacuum. They, they, they create the space for the emptiness for men to, or women or whoever to step into. So I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that those spaces are really important. You know, I, I've done a lot of research and pretty extensively about the, the loneliness epidemic, which is hitting men much harder than it is uh, women, especially in America. And so you look at kind of the uh, diminishing participation in social groups and clubs and fraternal organizations and all these places where men had community for so long, and they're just so rapidly declining. And the number of close relationships that men have, it's, if you can believe it, it's less than one if you look at, you know, large scale studies that are happening. And so there's so much research that backs up that when people are not connected, it leads to uh, behavior that's, that's not conductive or productive or productive for society. And so I think that providing spaces where men can connect on values and personal development and purpose and other meaningful things is incredibly important. So spaces for people to ask these big questions together is uh, something I'm deeply passionate about. I have so many thousands of things to follow up on just on this, and we haven't even gotten to tribute yet. But I, one of the things that I've been talking with people about lately is what we hang on to. In other words, I'm, I'm thinking about this perhaps because it's the end of a calendar year, right? This arbitrary kind of created uh, calendar that we've got that doesn't actually work. Um, and it's a great time for many coaches and many clients to sort of take stock, to review, to take the learnings, but also to leave some things behind. Am I correct when I'm seeing and and interpreting that a lot of men's issues seem to be an unwillingness or inability to leave things behind? Like we just can't 
let go of stuff or sort of dragging with us a lot of things? Or is that non-gender based or is that just at my house? Hmm. I would say that uh, so much of what is, I guess, holding men back is, is just the inability uh, to, to look inwards at themselves and to be honest about what it is that they're really feeling. And so I think that we hold on to so much because we're not even necessarily aware that it's there. And I think that so much of that for men has to do with the emotional experience. And so we're holding on to, to so much because we're, we're really not even aware of what it is or how to put words to that experience that's impacting us. And so I think that that's, that's so much a part of why everything we do really starts in the, the introduction of this communication framework that we created called Social Flow. But how do you enable men, we don't even use the word vulnerability, we just use transparency of how do you create spaces for men to be completely present to what it is that's real for them through the lens of their emotions and to get out of the way and give it a voice. And I think that something powerful happens when men have an opportunity to share that emotional experience and to have it received by other people. There's a like a transmutative process. And quality to it that that really does allow them to let go of some of the things that they're holding on to to learn from them so that they can move forward. By the way, Andrew, you've just won our contest because you've used inculcation and transmutable in the same interview. So <laughs> nice job. Um, the, the thing that I want to focus on is social flow. This sounds like something useful for coaches. It sounds like something I need in my life. Can you drill down a little bit on that and let us know what what we're talking about there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, first I'd, I'll start by what is the problem that it is addressing? And so what I would look at there is that over 60% of people uh, in America identify as struggling with shyness or social anxiety. And ultimately, when I look at uh, social anxiousness, it is the product of focusing on external factors that we don't control. You can think of that as how people will respond to us, other people's opinions or their perceptions of us. And so when we're focused on these external forces, we end up with tension. That's what we feel in our body. We end up with anxiety. That's what we feel in our mind and resistance, which is inaction. And so if the source of our social anxiety and our shyness is focusing on external forces that we don't control, then the anecdote is focusing on the internal forces that we do control. And one of my favorite sayings is the idea that the goal is not to be liked by everyone we meet. The goal is to like ourselves with everyone we meet. And the way that we can do that is by focusing on this simple acronym called I can. And this is the social flow framework is intentionality, curiosity, authenticity, now. And it's a four question framework that anyone can ask themselves in 60 seconds before a dinner party, before a networking event, before a big pitch. And so the first question, intentionality. It's just, how do I want to be? How do I want to feel? And so simply by identifying how it is that we would like to feel, we are priming our mind to focus on and collect evidence for the experience that we want to be ourselves. We become the thermostat instead of the thermometer, which is the analogy there, right? Is that the thermometer reads the temperature in a room, it's responding to it, the thermostat is setting it. So simply by taking the time to identify, how do I want to be? What would be fun for me? in this situation, we're more able to create that experience. So that's intentionality. The second is curiosity. So if you look at the, the word self-conscious, we all get an idea of what that is. What is self-consciousness? It's when we're hyper aware of ourselves. And so the way that we transcend self-consciousness is with other consciousness, is by showing ourselves that we actually don't need to say anything or be anyone to connect with other people. If we simply take the time to articulate, what do I want to know? Which is the second question for curiosity. What do I want to know about the people that I'll meet? And simply by identifying and, and really kind of improving our ability to find the questions that honor our curiosity, we find that we can go into any situation and contribute and connect. So that's curiosity. The next is authenticity, which is just reminding ourselves that we don't need to talk about anything that's not interesting or engaging for ourselves, but just by asking yourself, what am I feeling? What am I excited to contribute? And acknowledging our thoughts and our feelings is real and valid and understanding that the quickest way to earn other people's trust is to simply tell the truth 
And so how we get our way out of there. And my favorite frame for authenticity is the idea of, I'll give a, a little example. So for Chris and Alex, you can look at each other through your Zoom screens. And I'll ask you a question, which is, do you want each other to feel like you can be completely honest and yourselves with one another? So Chris, would you like Alex to be able to feel like he can do that? Yes. Alex, would you like Chris to feel like he can be himself with you? Yeah, of course. So I like to engage authenticity as, as an act of service. And what I mean by that is that if you want that for each other, how could you possibly believe that and be a stand for it if you're not willing to model it first? If we are not willing to be authentic, to be ourselves, to pursue what is real for us, we are subconsciously modeling to everyone we are with that that is not safe and it is not okay. And so when we embody this, our, our authenticity becomes transcendent. It's not just about us feeling good or being confident. Our authenticity is you know, a conduit for everyone that we're with to access a deeper level of social freedom, to simply trust themselves and be who they are. And so that's the lens that I look at authenticity. And the last is now, really just for presence, is a reminder that most times that we are feeling any tension, anxiety, or resistance, it's because we're in some sort of story of fiction about what the future holds, what's going to happen next, how people are going to respond. And so simply by coming back to the present moment, which I believe there's no better tool to come back to the present moment than our breath, we cannot breathe into the past, we can't breathe into the future, we can only breathe into now. And so I... I quite often utilize a simple box breath of four seconds in holding at the top, four seconds out holding at the bottom and circulating through three rounds of that. If you come back to right now, you have an opportunity to again, address any sort of external focus you may have, come back into those internal drivers and allow that to be your radical, authentic expression for the world. And the reason we call it social flow is that if you look at one of the primary conditions that allows flow states to occur. And what is a flow state? Flow state is the, the peak state of human performance. It's when we're doing our best and feeling our best. And Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the founder of this body of research, he said that one of the best things that we can do to create more flow in our lives is to develop an autotelic personality. And the word autotelic is one of my favorites. Autotelic means something that is done for its own sake something that is done for its own sake. It's, it's when we are using our intrinsic motivation to act. We're doing things not for a specific result, but because we enjoy the act. And so the same way that focusing on our intrinsic motivation in the external world for athletic or entrepreneurial or artistic performance has a direct corollary in the interpersonal is that when we are learning to trust our intrinsic motivation to communicate and to connect, we can turn the act of conversation into something that is rewarding in and of itself. And there's a great analogy for that of, of sex, of like the best advice I ever heard about how to have great sex is to become less goal-oriented. And if you're not so focused on finishing, then every aspect of making love becomes the main event. And I think similarly, where it is very helpful to have a clear goal, but to loosely hold that so that we can actually start to find out what makes it feel good to simply be with someone communicating and connecting. So that's social flow. Wow. So glad I asked and so grateful for you taking us through that. I am blown away and delighted and can't wait to do this on myself, my dog, my every person I ever <laughs> meet and all my clients. Andrew, before we leave, and I know, I know we want to get to tribute. That's the big, the big, or one of the big things to talk about today. But uh, let's let people know this, this men's work that you do, especially if I understand it properly, you take people out on wilderness trips. They're going to do, is it three of those this coming year? Uh, so we have three in the next five months. And so we'll, oh, we'll right. do this year. And then we also help men to start ongoing men's groups. Wonderful. So, and, and it's designed to help us as men express our emotions, get sort of deconditioned and create our identity based on some really sort of solid foundations of purpose, personal values and um, contribution. Is that, am I picking up what you're laying down there in terms of the men's work that you do? You nailed it, brother. 
Great. And Alex, with Alchemy of Men, uh, what are you doing there? Is it, is it similar work? Is it different work? I just want to make sure that the, you know, three men that are listening, I'm teasing, uh, are clear on what opportunities there are. Because I know that I'm getting excited about all of these things, like, you know, if only it's, because it gives me a vacation from my family. You know, often when I speak to men about men's work or men's retreats, I notice I'm coming from like a judgy filter. I'm like judging what they're doing and analyzing what they're doing. Um, and I don't know if I was doing that now and, and you just impressed me. Um, so you went above and beyond that or I wasn't doing it. But um, I texted uh, Bob, my co-leader, who Christopher knows of Alchemy of Men. And I was like, man, I sent him your Jinto link. And I was like, I'm interviewing this guy right now. He's saying the exact same things we say, but more clearly. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually, I'm loving this. I love what you just shared. You, you actually put a lot of things into language that I don't think we had the, the concrete language for. Like we're talking about it, but hadn't. It's almost like you you had it through a filter that had it come out really fine, right? Where our our brushstroke is just like a lot wider. But ultimately, it felt good in two ways. One, as I was listening, I was like, man, me and this is the first, you're the first person I've heard um, talk about men's work like this. Mm. In this, like men can create it for themselves and that whatever they're feeling is right and that there is no model of what a man is supposed to be. Um, and And there's a lot more that you said, obviously, but. Um, and that's why we created Alchemy and Men Retreat, because we felt like the things that you're describing, we were feeling and we couldn't find it. You know, we didn't, we didn't know you existed. Um, and so we created our own and now we've only done it one time. You're, you're, you know, we're, we're on the process for a second, but I am, I'm really impressed. I think it sounds great. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm like, it has me be curious to come experience your version, um, to see like how we can make. Right, not not to obviously copy you, but like how can we can enhance and make ours better through what we get from your experience? Uh, yeah, I'd love to collaborate, like a whole part of the Junto. And if you go to our website, you know, you'll see that when you go to our resources, we've got our resources are our competitors, right? And it's mm -hmm. the idea that uh, so much of what I wanted to create the Junto around was I have a specific approach to this that I think is really valuable, but the idea that we could address all of the different modalities and approaches is just, you know, ludicrous. And so I wanted to highlight other people who are doing similar work and to really highlight all the different things that are available for men that are curious about personal transformation and, and modern masculinity. And, you know, if you're curious about this stuff, I think one of the most fascinating lens to really encapsulate men's work societally, that's interesting. And we'll get to tribute, but honestly, tribute's simple. And it's summed up by your, by your piece of art, Chris, which is that who do you love most in the world? And just tell them. That's as simple as it. As much as I could tell you on this show, if you were to just take 30 minutes at the end of your year and just look at your top 10 friends and family members who've impacted your life, and you just told them exactly why you love them, your life will transform. And that will be the best investment of your time that you will have made all year is appreciation transforms our relationships. Tribute is a video platform that has made it easy to create these video montages, sharing your appreciation and love for the people you care about. And so we can come back to that for sure. But on the men's work front, one of the really interesting things about uh, the identity, and when you look at why I call ours a ritual rite of passage, is that if you look throughout the history of um, basically kind of modern civilization, you have always had very clear rites of passage built into society. And the reason that that was very important, especially in older societies where, where gender roles were more uh, clarified and strict, kind of because they, they had to be. I think that we, we exist in, in a time of technology and equity that is appropriate and really beautiful. But also, you know, for cavemen, there was probably a little bit more of a need for uh, men to be in the role of warrior and hunter and women to be in the role of nurturer. And then obviously, as we've evolved into modern times, those specific and very rigid gender roles no longer serve society or human flourishing. So we're growing beyond them. But if you look at even the transition of boy to man, what's powerful about a rite of passage is that when a, a, a rite of passage is something that defines uh, a 
shift or transformation in one's roles and responsibility in a community. So basically what would happen is that if you're a boy, you don't really have responsibility to your tribe. But when you become a man, the what would happen is that rites of passage would define here are the new expectations and responsibilities of how we need you to be for our community to thrive. And again, we talk about identity as the primary driver of human behavior. And it's powerful for one person to say, I am no longer a boy, I am a man. And that will have an impact on your behavior if you believe it. But what's even more powerful to refine that new identity, especially when it's happening very quickly, is for a community of people to reflect that back to you and say, you are a man. And when you have a community that is reflecting that new identity, you're more likely to express those behaviors. And so I think what's interesting and what what I addressed before that we're no longer in a time where such rigid gender roles are required for human flourishing. And in a lot of ways, they're they're counterproductive. So you talk about redefining masculinity. and, And what I oftentimes say is that Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Rites of passage for a very long time were rigid in, in their definitions of what it meant to be a man. And I will not tell you what it means to be a man. I believe that only you can do that. But I believe that you have a responsibility to society and the people you care about to become very clear about what that means for you so that you are acting in such a way that is honoring of yourself and the people that you care about. And the same way that having you know that well-defined identity that the community said, here's what it means to be a man, reflected was important. What's really valuable is providing men with an opportunity to define on their own terms, here's what it means to be a man and to be reflected and held accountable by a group of men who are doing the exact same thing for themselves, because that's when it actually sticks and we make it meaningful and it starts to drive sustainable behavior change. So, and the reason why rites of passage are important is because we talked about the, you know, you, I I oftentimes call it Peter Pan syndrome. But if you look at one of the built-in rites of passage that we've had in modern civilization, you know, we'll just look at America, is um, when did men in the 1950s and 60s typically get married and have children? At what age? In their 20s. Early 20s. You're getting married when you're 21, 22. You're having kids when you're 25, 26. And so what happens is that this is a rite of passage in the sense that you are at marriage, you're being received as committing to someone else. You're no longer focused on the self. Child, same fundamental values are being expressed there. You are prioritizing someone else other than the self. And if you look at now when men are getting married and having children, and it's in their mid-30s, so that's a lot of time to continue focusing on the self. And I think that it's a, you know, that's one of the fundamental ones that I look at. I think where a lot of our woes come in is that you have 
I call it Peter Pan syndrome, but if you're on TikTok, they probably call it like F boy, you know, is someone who's just totally self-absorbed and focused on health. And these rites of passage are so important to help men to understand that the, the need to prioritize and focus on things that are greater than themselves to flourish as, as humans. So I thought that that piece of context might be interesting because I, I think it's contextualized. You're, yeah, you're talking about something that I don't even know if we view things like marriage, like if we're conscious that they are rites of passages, right? They're just like a thing we do. You know, if we were in an indigenous community, a rite of passage would be extremely clear, right? It wouldn't just be a thing that we do. Um, but in the Western world, right, we don't, we've eliminated almost all of them and we have them in these ways, but they're not, they're not like very clear intentionally that that's the experience you're having. Um, I wasn't present to this at all. And I, I love how you explained it. Uh, Evan, my fiance just brought to me, she's reading a book called The Conscious Bride, which was, it was, was referred to her as like, you have to read this book. And she shared a little of it with me. And one of the things she shared with me was this aspect about ritual and how, because we haven't really done ritual and we haven't empowered ritual, often when we get to moments where rituals are happening, it unearths all of our stuff, which is why when, you know, as you're planning a marriage and, and creating it, it's like, you're getting, you're getting triggered and tested and, and, and um, find it be it being such a challenging moment because you actually haven't had the experience of like moving through different phases of your life intentionally. Um, so I, I, I really love how you're, how you're talking about it. The, even how you said the new expectations and responsibilities, whether that be for your community, your family, your society. And we really don't have that, right? Like what is, you know, as a man or a woman, you know, you graduate college or maybe you don't go to college, but you, you leave high school, you go into the world and there's no, it's not presented, right? Like there is no, Hey, this is what's expected of you. This is who you should be. Or, or even asking you, who do you want to be? What do you want? What do you want to be held to or expected um, of you? And I think, again, you look at religious institutions and the declining participation in those. And obviously, you know, there are, are many woes, but if we're just looking at the aspect of a values-based community, it's that for so long, that was the primary institution and still is where people are tied into a values-based community. You can disagree about certain aspects of that, but the, the community aspect is something that is fundamental for human flourishing. And as we're no longer participating in these types of values-based institution, something else needs to take its place. And, you know, that's why I'm so excited to see more people like yourself and others who are creating these kinds of spaces. Community is fundamental for human flourishing. What a beautiful man. I'm going to go back and read everything you've ever written. I just love the turn of phrase. I also want to contribute this little item, The Art of Gathering by uh, Priya Parker. I, uh, uh, I was just gifted this book by a friend of mine who's a, an extraordinary uh, woman who is both a, a reform rabbi and works in the hospice care with, you know, death and dying. And um, just as a support, have you read it or either of you? Not yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Priya's, Priya's a friend. I, I had her on my podcast uh, a couple of years ago. She said one of my favorite things ever about ritual, which you just mentioned, is um, she said the difference between routine and ritual is one word. And that one word is intention. And so routine is just that which we do frequently. And a ritual is something that we do frequently with intention. And I, I love that. You need to turn a phrase. She's, she's great. I, I, the truth so far, I feel like I'm a little bit behind in everything we've talked about. So thanks for being out on the cutting edge and doing, doing the advanced work for so many of us. What is that podcast and where do we find it? Uh, so I was doing a podcast for several years called What's the Big Idea? We've taken a, a couple of, a little bit of a hiatus. Tribute had a, a couple of pretty explosive years during COVID. And so um, I, I decided to shift all my attention back onto that company. And now I'm finally some space to come back into the speaking and writing and, and facilitating. But uh, yeah, so it's called What's the Big Idea? We've had a lot of great guests and we'll have some fun people on the, the coming weeks. We've got uh, the CEO of uh, the Hoffman Process um, out in California and Connecticut, uh, which is like one of the, the preeminent personal development 
uh, workshops, institutions uh, in the world. It's an incredible program. And uh, we have Regina Thomasauer, who wrote the book uh, Pussy, a Reclamation, who's just uh, an amazing uh, kind of women's empowerment coach and really kind of popularized the word goddess in the- I don't, I don't think you're supposed to say that. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Which is exactly why she wrote it. Clear. <laughs> Well, that's extraordinary, man. I'm starting to feel my stock dropping while we're talking, but you gave us a beautiful uh, segue to talk about tribute. You said it's exploded. Uh, sorry, let's go back. We Junto or Junto, W-E-J-U-N-T-O.com, or you can just Google Junto, J-U-N-T-O or Junto uh, to find out more. And you've got upcoming retreats in, I think, January, March, and June already available. And, um, uh, I'm already checking my calendar. I can only make January, so we'll. I I do want to I do want to ask you when you look at them and you hit more info, it takes you to a top secret CIA. You need to crack the code that you can't get any further. So if people are you know jumping to that like I did to see what more info was and not able to get more info, what do they do? Uh, so they just message us. Um, okay. Uh, just contact us, and then we'll we'll talk to you and, and get you in. Okay. Cool. All right. Now at long last. Let's shift the conversation and talk about tribute.co.co. What, what is this and, and why is it important for us? My favorite way to introduce tribute is to tell the story of how it was created, which is on my 27th birthday at the time I was living in Brooklyn with my girlfriend at the time, soon to be wife, Mickey. And uh, we we're having a very easy night. I didn't want to do anything. Went out to eat. We went dancing. We came home. Bring the door open to my house and I see on the ground that there's 20 pairs of shoes that I do not recognize, not my own. And then she counts down from three, two, one. And then all my friends jump out of the closet and the bathroom and like kitchen cabinets. And she had planned this big surprise party. And halfway through the party, uh, she says, all right, everyone in the living room. And we get over there and we had this projection. And so she puts this um, basically image up on the wall. And I was like, what's, what's going on? And she says, don't worry, just sit back. And she hits play. And then my dad pops up on the screen and he's telling me how much he loves me and respects me. And uh, I know my dad loves me. We have a great relationship, but he doesn't say those words that often of I love you. And it was quite meaningful. And so his video stops and then it's my mom. And my mom is telling me how much she loves me and uh, how working together has been one of the greatest joys of her life and how grateful she is. And then the next person on the screen is my friend, uh, Matt. And Matt and I had only known each other for about a year at this point but we had become really close. And when Matt ended his video, and I get goosebumps when I say it, uh, he says, I want you to know you're my best friend. And I had felt that as well. But to articulate that someone is your best friend is a, is a vulnerable act because they might not feel that too, right? You're putting yourself out there. And so it was in that moment that Matt was in the room. And so like, we, we held each other's hands and, and I started to cry. He started to cry. And... This continued for the next basically 25 minutes where, wow. you know, that Mickey had reached out to all my friends and family members and got these videos from them. Let's, telling, let's go back a step. If you don't marry this woman, we're going to have words, mister. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so basically that happened for the next 25 minutes and I cried for most of it. And then I came out of it. Everyone gave me a group hug and, and I needed a minute to just recuperate and just ground. And I went into our bedroom and Mickey came after me and I looked at her and I was like, this is the best gift I've ever received. No question. How did you do this? And she looks back at me without blinking an eye and she says, oh, it really sucked. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, it took me like 15 hours to people to collect the videos, to edit together an iMovie. And immediately, within seconds, I said, whoa, like this should be a it should be easy to do this because this is a thing. I've seen other people do this before. So I did a quick Google search. There was no software even remotely close to doing this. And within a minute, I had the name Tribute. And I knew by the end of that night that I was going to start a company that made it easy to create these videos. And so within a couple of months, I found a, a genius uh, technical partner to kind of join me as a co-founder. And uh, what started as this little mission to help people experience the joy and connectedness that I felt in the back of the room kind of started to grow into this little movement. We built a, a business that was making money. We raised some capital. And while it was making money, it was not enough money to really build families in New York City. 
And so we got to a place where we were still building, but my, my co-founder and I stepped away from full-time operational roles in 2018. I was focusing more on Junto, on coaching, on speaking. And then 2020 comes around. And I remember that I'm checking our traffic report in the morning around March 15th, and I see our traffic spike. And I was like, oh, we must have had a big event. And then I come back the next morning, and there's another spike. And that's when it hits me. We're going into lockdowns. No one can celebrate birthdays, weddings. All the graduations are getting canceled. And growth that we saw there continued from March to July, just like a rocket ship. And we ended up uh, growing basically 20x in a year. Um, and so we went from a five-person company to by the end of July that year, we had over 100 people working on the, the company full-time. A lot of those are video editors and support agents helping people to edit their videos. Um, and now we've come back to earth, but I mean, it's still, you know, really healthy, multi-million dollar company. And uh, it was wild because I just love this thing so much. And I was excited to continue building it, even when it was my side hustle. We stayed alive. And now it's become this thing that's really spawned a whole industry. There's a bunch of competitors that do it. Hallmark just launched video cards recently. and uh, we were in the Inc. 500 for 2021, which was a very cool milestone to come back. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's been an amazing, an amazing journey. So if I want to do this for, say, I don't know, Alex or somebody, and I, what do I do? I go to tribute.co and is there some easy guide there to walk yeah. me through so it? You'd go to the homepage and say, who's the video for? You'd enter the name, you'd enter the due date when you want submissions in by. We encourage people to select a prompt or two, which is what do you love about Alex? What's your favorite memory? What do you appreciate about them? So that there's really kind of a collective cohesion to the appreciation and, and gratitude that's being shared. And then there's a couple of options. So for $25, you can essentially come and do it all yourself. People just come to a simple paid tribute.co forward slash Alex where they can record from a phone or desktop. Let's go back into our simple editing platform. You just drag and drop how you want, add music, the whole nine. And uh, we also have a concierge product where if you don't want to do anything, you can literally just create your page in 60 seconds and someone on our team will take care of all the editing, all the customer support, and basically just deliver you a finalized video when you tell us you need it. That's the one I want because, you know, I don't have a lot of time for Alex. So how much is that? That's $99. What a deal. So I, I got to share, I don't know if it was tribute because I think it might've been, but I don't know because for my 40th, I got a video like this. Yeah. Um, and I, it might've been tribute. I just don't, I don't, I obviously I didn't plan it for myself, right? My, my fiance gave it to me. Um, but I woke up on my four, the morning of my 40th and she's like, I have a surprise for you. And, um, she pulled out the computer and, you know, played this video. Um, and, and same exact experience, right? No one was there that, that you described, but right. It was all, it was all, um, and I was sitting there like crying and, you know, there's people that I was really close with and there's people that not so not so much, but they're like people that, you know, know me and acknowledge me. And, um, and, and it was, it was also funny because you see how different people do it through generations, right? Like my dad's video, clearly he like, didn't really get what he was doing. And versus like my friends who like it was, they clearly set themselves up to record a great video. Um, so it was like entertaining. It was emotional. Um, it like really hit hard. Uh, and then I got to participate in one of these for a friend um, that that was definitely a tribute that I got sent and asked, you know, to, to create content for. Um, but as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about it, I'm like, man, this is a great gift to give just as an individual. You know, to, I was thinking every year I give gifts to clients and I usually find, so I'll send them a journal, I'll send them a, you know, like I'll find something, right? So last year I sent everybody a book, a unique book to each person. Um, and this year I was like, I don't really know what I want to give. And, and this sounds like actually a great gift that you could give to your employees, or your clients that you don't necessarily have to go get a bunch of other people, but I'm, I'm assuming on here, you could like leave just your tribute and send it to yeah. them. You actually, so I'm happy that you talked about that. I was going to bridge into that. So we launched a new product this year that's called Tribute Greetings, which is exactly for what you're talking about. Is that our, for a long time, we were just a group tribute and we launched a new product this year, which is one-to-one -one tribute messages where you can not only leave a meaningful video message, but you can also attach a gift card and soon physical gifts to that. And, you know, what's, I oftentimes provide context here that I think is really helpful. 
because a lot of people would say, well, I could just send a, a voice note or I could send a video text or something like that. And what I say about this is I really speak to the importance of context. And if you think about greeting cards, right? Hallmark's been around for about 100 years. Uh, but if you were to write uh, a note, say bye to you know Alex, you could do that on a piece of lined paper that you have lying around your house. You could just write a note. But why do we go to CVS and see all these greeting cards? Like, Why do we have this urge and desire to put in a card? It's because the context is so important for denoting thoughtfulness of the message. And it liberates a deeper layer of communication. And, and so the same way that for the analog world, you needed a card to create the space to share that message, you need that context in the digital world. Because if it's just a text message, it doesn't really impact them the same way that it does when you have... So the way that you do tribute is you basically pick a beautifully designed cover image. And then you answer a prompt about the person, like, what do I appreciate about you? Adds your video or your audio message or your text in there. And then you can just attach a gift. And so it's, uh, again, setting the context for a really meaningful message that uh, we have found has a much deeper impact on the recipient. So that's called Tribute Greetings. You can access all that right off of tribute.co. It makes me think too, it adds a layer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a moment right now. I, I just got those things in the mail where you get like, you know, the, the somebody you're networking with sends you a pre-printed card. Yeah. Happy holidays. Thank you. Right. You know, and it, it wasn't something from Christopher. So I can say this without even though I've done something like this out. But I, I looked mine on a paper I, towel that I, I, I used a well, crayon. Yeah. I turned to my fiance and I said, and I held up the thing that I got and I went, I'd rather get nothing at all. The, the pre-printed, they didn't even sign it with their own hand right? Like from their company or their person makes me think I'm just on a big old list. You just yeah. send it to a thing, print it out, they shipped it. And it feels like a, an F you in a little bit, like I'm too lazy to act. Like you're not actually that important. You're just part of a list. Whereas, um, we're nothing at all. I wouldn't even think of, I it would just, you know, uh, it's the same as when, um, you know, I got a gift when I bought my house, uh, the, the, the mortgage guy sent me like, a thing of cheese and wine. I don't drink wine. I don't really eat cheese. It was, and it was like, a, you don't even know, like you did, you actually didn't, this is just what you, right? This is just like a factory that you pump things out. And I think it's more, it sometimes feels more offensive. I don't know that everyone feels like, right? I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm very like Larry David as I look at it. I'm like, screw you for sending me this thing. You don't even care. Um, Andrew, when I, I was saying earlier, it's guys sometimes don't let stuff go. That's what I was saying. What, what I what I love about the the tribute idea is it does the opposite. It actually has to be. So it's like, yes, it might only be a text message or a video to my, to my phone, but it actually has to be personalized. You actually had to take a moment and show me that I mattered to you versus just clicking a button on like Shutterfly and just sending out a bunch of, you know, copy and pasted Hallmark cards. Another, another example of that is kind of the, the Facebook birthday where Facebook says, oh, right, I have one to send HPD. And you see that on your wall and it's almost an insult in, in some ways because it's like you didn't take any thoughtfulness. You hit one. Right. But if you get like over 100, it like really means something, right? If it like, if they add up to a lot. <laughs> I oftentimes say this when I, when I talk about ethical technology, I say, you're not even looking at the content. You're literally looking at the quantity on yeah. Facebook. When you go to that wall, you're just saying, oh, how many people? And yeah. it's like, it's not how we experience yeah. connection. That's not how we feel connected. It may show us that we are connected, but we don't feel it. And if we don't feel it, there's no intimacy and it doesn't matter. I actually, I did an interview with uh, the founder of 1-800-Flowers. And uh, when I was talking to Jim, he, I asked him a question. I said, what, what, is, what makes a great gift? And he said one word. He said thoughtfulness. It said uh, every gift is just an opportunity to show someone that you are thinking about them and you care about them. And so if, you're, if your gift doesn't do that, doesn't show you that you're really thinking about them and you care about them, it's not a good gift. And so those automated messages, I think, are not doing that. It's oftentimes a, a waste of time. That's beautiful. Uh, man, thoughtfulness. Thank you for sharing that brilliance. 
I don't know about anybody else listening, but I've become a complete fan of you over the last like 50 minutes or so. So thank you very much. What do we, do we have a club? Is there like a meeting I can attend? Horn, horn files, horn dogs. What do we, what do we call ourselves the, the Andrew Horn? Uh, Whoa. Sorry. You'll have to, you'll have to finish that question, Alex, while I deal with that. Um, well, it, instead of us trying to collect you and, you know, put you on a shelf for the holiday season, um, what do you want to leave us with? So what's like a, a last word that you can uh, gift us and our audience with? Yeah, I, I would say, and I've been looking at, at Chris's beautiful artwork behind him that says, who do you love the most? Tell them, show them now. Um, somehow, anyhow, give love. And I'd say that, again, the most important thing that I could do for myself or that I think anyone could do for themselves is just to ask themselves a question of who are the people who have made your year? Who are the people who have had your back, who have made you laugh, provided you with meaningful memories? And to simply take note of those meaningful relationships in your life. And I have this mantra at my company. I have it as a personal mantra. And it's this shift on a popular turn of phrase, which is, you know, we all remember this when we were younger and we'd tease a sibling or someone in the, the schoolyard and we, a parent or a teacher would say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And so I realized that if you take the don'ts out of that statement, it becomes exponentially more powerful. And it's if you have anything nice to say, say it all. And what I would say is, as you are going to the end of your year, as you are reflecting, as we often do, that I would highly invite everyone to think about who those people are who made your year. And if you have anything nice to say, say it all. But when we share our appreciation with people, something magical happens. They know that they matter. Our relationships transform. And it's, uh, I think, the investing in our important relationships is the single most important thing we can do for. Uh, living a life well lived. And so I would encourage everyone to do that and hopefully remind myself to do it as well, which I will be. Beautiful, beautiful message. The websites are wejunto, W-E-J-U-N-T-O dot com and tribute dot C-O dot co. Um, Andrew Horn, it's been a delight and a privilege to be with you. Thank you so much. Don't forget also the podcast, go find out wherever pod, find podcasts are available. What's the big idea? And check out Andrew's podcast from before and from now. Uh, you are very generous and are offering a $29 value, a free DIY tribute. How, how can our listeners get that? Wonderful yes. Why don't we say that if you, uh, do we have a timeline of when this will be released? And I'll... A couple of days. A couple of days. Great. So I'm going to give everyone who's listening to this an opportunity to create a tribute free of charge. Um, so all you're going to need to do is enter uh, the coaching show on tribute when you're checking out and you'll get $29 off your DIY tribute. What a beautiful and very, very generous gift. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, and I cannot wait for the next time our paths cross. Thank you so much for all the great work that you're doing. And congratulations again on your impending nuptials and everything else that's going on with you. Speaking of impending nuptials, Mr. Terranova, thank you so much for all these years of brilliance and support and insight and hilarity. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing to make people's lives better in so many ways. The book is Fictional Authenticity. The other book is Redefining Masculinity. The new book is called how Dreams Are Built. How Dreams Are Built. You can find out more about Alex Terranova by going to thedreammason.com. Anything else you want to let people know? What would you like? I was just thinking if, if, if you really want to appreciate me, you should send me a tribute video and maybe a bicycle. Um, then I'll really know. I was just going to post something on Facebook. But <laughs> then well, I'll know that he's got no excuse now because he's got the free code. So Yeah. Look at that. But it won't mean anything if he uses his free code on me. He's getting that on someone who doesn't listen to this podcast. I've only got one free one. I really have to think about it, Alex. That's kidding. No, it's been, you know, it's been so great being here doing this with you. Um, I remember when I started, I was like so nervous. I was like, oh, I hope I don't let him down. 
I hope I do a good enough job. And, you know, three years later, I couldn't care less what you think. It's great. It's amazing. No, I'm, I'm really grateful that, you know, I've, I've got to meet people on this show that I never would have met. Uh, I've created relationships with people, guests on this show that have, you know, been on my other podcasts and that some that I've met in real life, our relationship has deepened this this experience with you has been like such a gift, has been a, such a gift. And I look forward to when, you know, I come, I, I definitely will be back on this show, uh, you know, as, as you know, from here and here and then, but uh, this time has been really special. Thank you. It's been extraordinary and we are honored to be with you. Continued success in everything. And, you know, come by the house from time to time. I mean, call first, but we'd love to see you. Uh, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in, in March in your special day. Once again, our dear listener, thank you so much for being with us again. As each and every week, we bring you people out on the cutting edge, people that are just plain interesting, people you need to know about in the coaching world. It's been my privilege to do this show for over 20 years, and I am grateful most of all in my life for you, our dear listeners who show up and listen and subscribe and do things. Um, I thank you for your listenership. We'll have one more uh, episode this year next week most of all i thank you for everything that you're doing out in the world with the humans thanks for being uh, vessels of love and being in the world and we'll talk to you next week thank you all that's it for today's episode thanks for listening to the coaching show we will talk to you next week